Hello and welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join our discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. And if you are listening to the podcast because you missed us live, you can also send us your questions on Facebook and Twitter at SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That is at SWAT Radio Talk, and we will be sure to get back to you just as soon as we are on the air. Um, today is, what, Tuesday, and uh, what's going on Tuesday, today? Tuesday, April 27th, and for you people out there who've been vaccinated, um, you can take your mask off outside unless you're with strangers. <laughs> that's that's the, no kidding. Uh there was new CDC guidance, which apparently now is the arm of the government that has overbearing authority on most of us because uh, whatever they say goes, which, by the way, they're not supposed to have that kind of authority. They're supposed yeah. to be advisory, not uh, the ones who are uh, doing what they do. But anyway, uh, it, they put out new guidance after Fauci leaked it over the weekend that uh, – if you've been vaccinated, then um, you can not wear a mask outside. You know what's funny? What? There well, nothing's pe- funny about that. There are that. people who, <laughs> who call themselves Americans who have waited until the CDC told them that they could take off their mask if they've been vaccinated outside to actually take off their mask while they're outside. Isn't that, that crazy? That have waited until this this day. And that's just insane to me that you would call yourself an American and uh what are we in russia i mean like really i mean like uh this is crazy uh it's a different world out there and you know i I was talking with somebody earlier today about the vaccine and she's like i really don't want to get it you know i've gotten the first one but i don't know if i ought to get the second one and i'm like you don't need it yeah you don't need it you know there's treatment out there there's a drug called ivermectin. There's a drug called hydroxychloroquine. They will treat uh, COVID-19 symptoms with vitamin D, vitamin C, quercetin, and some other supplements, and they have been shown to treat it well. But here's the thing, uh, <laughs> that even if you get it, you have a 9992 percent chance of survival yeah if you are not in a a at-risk demographic this is not something that you need to be worried about and i would say you probably shouldn't inject yourself with an experimental vaccine that has not been approved by the fda yet i mean well, well, you can do that if you want to no i just no you know you have a choice but there's this thing called informed consent yeah and what that means is you have a right to refuse, but there was a lady in Arkansas who got fired yeah. because she refused to take the vaccine. Uh, there's, there's right now. There's a mix of companies. Uh, you, you know, as far as I know, I don't know in the past that we've had people fired. Now I know if you wanted to travel to other countries, there were times that you were required to take it in the military. You had to have yellow fever and some of those. But again. 
those things were uh, those were um, medical conditions and viruses that we had no therapy to treat. Yeah, you know, smallpox mm-hmm. and polio, and they but, were proven over a long period of time. Yes, but now with the new vaccine, again, you. One of my friends uh, said, you know what, I'm going to take my chances with something I know I have a 99.992% chance versus unknown. Because well, And people are going, well, you know, 60 million people have gotten the vaccine. Well, they have gotten it, but there, there hasn't been any long-term study of any of it well and then the evidence to whether it actually does what it's supposed to do which is uh protect you from COVID 19 is not out you know it, it has not been stated yet there are still people who have gotten that's uh, why COVID-19. it's been called an experimental yeah. approval yeah an emergency approval of it and i know there's just there's people on both sides so here's the deal if you want to get a vaccine get the vaccine but don't get angry with other people for not getting it. If yeah. you get the vaccine, you should be protected. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the bottom line is, so if somebody doesn't want to get the vaccine, then they should feel free to not get it, too. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just the whole thing. We have been characterized by fear uh, and government control and, uh, and, and, and in ways that we've never seen in our lifetime before. I mean, let's go back. Let's go back just three years ago. If you would have told somebody, hey, you're going to be required to wear a mask everywhere you go, and and you know what, uh, they're going to almost demand, not quite, but almost demand you have a vaccine, people have been like, you're crazy. Yeah, and they would have pointed to a lot of uh, states and, cit- excuse me, a lot of cities that say it's illegal to wear a mask out in public if you're, you know, committing a crime, or that's something that's generally been frowned upon to cover your face, and yeah. now it's going to be mandated that you do it. Uh, yeah, it's it, people would say you're nuts, even yeah. a year and a half ago. Yeah, so we're just we're living in a very interesting time for our country, and as believers, as we move forward, um, you know, if you're just tuning in for the first time, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And uh, during the first segment of the program, we're on every day from three to four, Monday through Friday, and. Every day during the first 15 minutes or so, we just kind of talk about things in the news, what's kind of going on uh, in the news, and and from a Christian perspective, maybe how we deal with that or how we should view that. And so, you know, I saw one ad today, and I don't know if you saw this, and this is, again, this is kind of disheartening a little bit when you think about – our education system and everything going on in our country. But the new education secretary, Miguel Cardona, wants to get teachers behind the new woke curriculum Mm. in the email. He sent out an email saying that he wants to take steps to ensure teachers are supportive of this and because people aren't. And so, uh, he's tasking high school courses uh, about, you know, African-American studies, black studies, Puerto Rican studies, Latin, Latino studies, which are going to be optional, but will be required in 2022. <laughs> and so 
Uh, that makes it so much better that it's optional this year, right? Yeah. And so, again, uh, a lot of this stuff is pushing critical theory. And if you're not familiar with critical theory as a believer, you need to become uh, familiar with it because critical theory breaks the world down into two groups, oppressed and oppressors. That's not a biblical viewpoint of the world. Yeah, and you know what's so crazy about that is uh, you know, it would have been a foreign concept just you know 50 years ago, 100 years ago, that the federal government would have any sort of say in uh, what you do at your local public school. Uh, in fact, you know, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Theodore Roosevelt wanted to institute a national, uh, you know, rifle. Uh, basically have a rifle range at every school and it got rejected not because oh that's crazy that's guns it got rejected because uh, who are you as a federal government to tell me what we're going to do in our school it was originally the public school parents had much more of a buy-in now parents you know they don't even know half the time what their kids are being taught and that's a shame um, because that's the venue and that's the avenue with which uh, you know satan has wormed his way through uh, our our society and corrupted it, you know, down, I would say, to the core. Well, uh, as a matter of record, they, uh, through a Freedom of Information Act, people were able to access uh, emails that he had sent. Mm. And uh, keep in mind, this is the person in charge of overseeing the education department of public education in our country. And they control funds that go to schools. Therefore, they dictate a lot of what things are emphasize yep and a so, lot of people don't want to say you know what keep your money they yeah say, okay, well they yeah. don't i mean they they want that federal money and he says um i want the teacher of the year who's a, a person named megan geary on it because one we need teachers behind the wave of curriculum becoming more woke he uses that terminology um i had to explain that to somebody the other day they hadn't heard that um but he also said that um you know, um, she is a, an anti-racist focused uh, educator, which I think that comes from, I think it's uh, Kendi. Is it mm-hmm. Ibrahim Kendi? Yeah. I think uh, about being anti-racist. And uh, and so her she had a quote on her teacher of the year thing saying that there's no such thing as an apolitical classroom. Huh. And so... Uh, what what critical theory is doing is bringing uh, more of a divide. It's not bringing equality. It seeks to bring equity, and there's a difference between those two words. So uh, again, we 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 need to pray that this doesn't happen because there's a lot of people with their kids in public schools that are believers. Our kids have been in public schools, yeah. you know, and and they've always been uh, in a place where they tried to be a light. We've been very blessed to have a mix of Christian teachers with non-Christian teachers, but it's been out there. But this is really, I think, a dangerous trend for our country, which is already suffering from a year of COVID with people doing Zoom classes where they're not even really focused in on the classes. And you know that just because you've yeah. been around, around that. Yeah, and, you know, the, the reality is, is you know, the critical race theory is just a, a the newer avenue or the newer uh, shine on what they've been doing. And, and the, the school system has for a long time been indoctrinating uh, students. And, uh, you know, parents need to get more involved. And hopefully this will wake parents up to start to take back 
uh, the education room. Yeah, and one of the things they're pushing is uh, understanding the Black Lives Matter movement, mm. which is that organization itself is uh, a Marxist organization, yep. even though they've come in through a Trojan horse. So, yep. Anyway, All right, we'll be right back. We're up against the break. Stay tuned. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.astore.com If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies If you're trying to feel the same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you got pain that is Zach Williams with Chainbreaker. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us and you are new to SWAT, we usually take the first segment of the day to talk about the news of the day. Sometimes it spills over into the second segment, and we've been known to spill it over even longer than that on occasion. But generally, we get uh, after that, we get into the uh what we are looking at in the word uh this week we are looking at acts chapter 6 verses 1 through 7 and uh kind of talking about division in the church and how the uh the apostles dealt with that and how the the early church dealt with division and how we should deal with it uh ourselves yeah we um we talked about yesterday and i'm not going to go through those ridiculous 25 reasons <laughs> that people left a church or they it cost um, you know, uh, cause uh, division or a schism in the church. But, you know, we, we're dealing with this from Acts chapter 6, and it is the first time we see murmuring and and really the first division in the church because widows were being overlooked, the Hellenistic widows. And the Hellenist widows were widows from outside of Jerusalem and Israel. They were There were two groups of people in Israel for the feast. There were Jews who were native to Israel. Then there were those Jews who, because of the dispersion, because of, uh, you know, captivity and other things, had gone to other countries. And those people were not relieved of the duty to come to Israel three times a year for the feast. And so when they would come for Passover, uh, they would come for the, uh, you know, the feast of the harvest or the booths, what they would do is they would all come in there and come together. Well, now, after Pentecost, the church had impacted those people, 
and thousands of them did not return after the feast was over. They're hanging around. They need food. They need uh, to be taught more of how uh, Jesus of Nazareth is Messiah from the Old Testament perspective and and how those scriptures uh, point to him. And so as the apostles went from being 12 to 120, so 1 to 10, now they're 12 to 3,000 to 8,000 to maybe 15 to 20,000. And growing. Yeah, and growing every day. And so it, just the sheer numbers alone, I mean, like when you when you think about, you know, 20,000 people divided by 12, that's about 1,700 per apostle to oversee. Is that a problem? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a real problem. And so that's what happens. They had this explosive growth. It was not a problem created by anything more than the fact that as human beings, we're limited, right, to what we can do. In the Old Testament, you see that that pattern demonstrated in Moses when he's leading the children of Israel. He's just getting wore out every day. And his father-in-law says, hey, Moses, <laughs> come over here. Let's have a chat. And I, I want to point something out. Moses was very respectful to his father-in-law. Mm-hmm. Even though you're talking about the guy who his face showed the Shekinah glory of God. I mean, like the guy who received the Ten Commandments, the guy who said, I mean, God said, this is my friend. I talked to Moses face to face. When his father-in-law said, hey, Moses, come over here and let's talk, and he gave him counsel, he was very respectful, and he listened. He didn't think, I've got this. Mm. And our tendency is, guys, let's be honest, isn't it like, you know, I can handle it? Yeah. Because we don't want to present like we we can't handle a particular situation. But Moses, in his wisdom, listened to his father-in-law, and he said, okay. And he appointed, you know, different leaders who would oversee tens and hundreds and thousands. And so as people would bring the problems to the ten – the leader of the 10, and it got too big, they would go to the leader of the 100, then the leader of the thousands. Then if it was too big, then it would come to Moses. So there was a, a liter- literally a, um, a structure put in place that relieved the stress off Moses so he could focus on leading that large group. And when you look at the, uh, the New Testament church, the disciples' ability to minister the word of God to preach and to pray was being hindered. And that's what we read yesterday when we read in Acts uh, 6, 1 through 7, that there's complaints and murmuring arose. And they said, hey, we can't be dealing with this um, and not praying and preaching, teaching the word. And so yesterday we saw the problem of division and distraction distraction revealed. God revealed it in verse 1. And uh, you read that, and we just saw where ministry became hindered because there was an Old Testament pattern of taking care of widows and the poor. And the church, we said, can't uh, add a structure and then add the whole, you know, then ask the Holy Spirit to come bless it. What the church should do is when the Holy Spirit brings a ministry up in a church because the Holy Spirit enacts this ministry then we as his servants can put a structure around it to allow that ministry to continue to flourish and grow. 
we we always want to acknowledge the Holy Spirit grows the ministry, but He uses us in the process of of a structure that works where with us practically for us to do that. We just tend to do it backwards. Sometimes we tend to um, build a structure to try to do a ministry in hopes of attracting people and reaching out. But the purpose of the church was never to be a wooing ground for unbelievers. It was to be a, a training of believers and equipping them to go and be the church out in the world. And so uh, this created a problem when it began to grow so quick and that the spirit was growing all these people and they had no way to feed them, uh, organized an organized way. And remember, we said yesterday the church is an organism. It's internally influenced. So when the apostles realized that there was complaining and murmuring going on, uh, they said, hey, we, we've got to have a look at how to deal with this. And uh, they took people from the group that was murmuring. Every name mentioned was a Greek name. Who was having the problem? The Greek-speaking Jews. It was the Hellenistic Jews. And so before we get started, I just want to lay out again kind of the outline for the week. As God reveals a problem of division and distraction, he reveals the priority of his shepherds, uh, and then he reveals the people that he uses to lead the church in dealing with the division. That's kind of the outline. Yesterday we looked at the problem. Today we're going to look at the priority of his shepherds. And I might have you read the whole section again because it's so short, one through seven, so that maybe if somebody's joining for the first time, Taylor, they can hear and uh, maybe after yesterday, you practice on those names. <laughs> oh, I thought it was behind me. <laughs> I'm going to make you read them again, man, because <laughs> that way you'll know them. All right. I'll, I'll, get, I'll give it my, my best. All <laughs> okay. right. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Porcherus, Prochorus. Prochorus, thank you. And Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So when you hear the word Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, a proselyte means someone who was a Gentile who converted to the Jewish faith. And so at Antioch, uh, he became a member of the Jewish faith. So these were all Jewish people who were there, and you had Hellenistic Jews who were from outside of Israel. You have Palestinian or Israeli Jews, the Hebrews they call them, who were from Israel. And I got a question about that. So the Hellenists, that's different than a Hellenized, right? So a Hellenized Jew would be someone who kind of stopped keeping the law and started to... Yeah, a Hellenist simply means that they came from outside of Israel and came from Greek-speaking areas. Okay. That's all that means. These are not practicing uh, Hellenistic pagan religions and not doing that. 
just this means that they're they're from different areas than the Hebrew people, the Hebrew Jews. Okay, right. um, and so that's a good question. And so today, if you look in verse two, we're looking at this priority of God's shepherd and his shepherds. Let me just state up front that God's shepherds are under shepherds. Every shepherd of a flock is like he's the chief shepherd. And so your pastor teacher is is an under shepherd underneath the leadership of Jesus. Your pastor is not the leader of the church. Jesus is the leader of the church. And so your pastor has been given a mandate, and the priority of that under shepherd is the same as the apostles here. That It says it's not right that we give up what? Preaching the word of God to serve tables. And so the primary responsibility of the under-shepherd is equipping the body like we know in Ephesians 4.11 where he says what? God gave apostles, prophets, you know, evangelists, pastor, teachers, what? To equip the body to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so their priority for them is, is preaching. But it also says down here in verse 4, we will devote ourselves, what? To prayer and the ministry of the word. Because without prayer, the word has no power. I mean, the, 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 the prayer is allowing yourself to come along and join God in what God is doing uh, we accommodate ourselves to his plan. As we pray, we are in communion with him. John 15 says what? If you abide in me, then then he's going to produce fruit in us, right? So prayer and, and preaching go hand in hand. When we come back, we're going to look at that, and we're going to discuss that a little further, okay? All right, so stick with us. We will be back with more after the news. We'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Ace Door and Window, as well as a special thanks to our sponsors, Tom Neal Trucking, And a special thanks to our sponsor, Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug, D-O-U-G, at SWATradio.com. And you can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more after the news. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. That is Freedom Hymn by Austin French. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7 this week. Uh, Yesterday we started and we looked at the problem of uh, division and distraction, and today we're going to get into the, or we have been getting into the priority of God's shepherds. So that is where we are at. If you would like to turn uh, in your Bibles to Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, we are going to continue. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. A lot of Christians today uh, believe that the pastor 
of a church should be he should focus on administration mm. he should be the 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 administrative leader of the church he should be the spiritual leader of the church um he should also be the counseling leader of the church and if a pastor teacher does all those things uh he's going to have a hard time really focus being focused on preaching mm-hmm. and teaching and praying um praying and preaching are the two primary responsibilities now that does not give the pastor a pass on engaging with people in his body. Charles Spurgeon is one of the greatest uh, pastors of, of all time. I mean, like he, he had a church at its peak, I think, of 6,000 people. Mm. He knew every person's name and their children's name. He knew his flock. And I remember when I went to Israel uh, meeting a shepherd one time, talking to a, a real shepherd about, you know, shepherding your sheep. And that's the analogy that's used throughout Scripture of a pastor, teacher, as a shepherd. And this guy said, a, a, a real shepherd knows his sheep. And he can tell you the sheep, each individual sheep. And I said, what's the, what's the largest flock that a shepherd might have. He said some of them, 2,000, mm. but they know every sheep because they have a huge heart for their sheep. And for pastor teachers, they get so overwhelmed with a lot of other responsibilities that really what the disciples are saying here is they're saying, listen, we can't get caught up in this administrative logistical stuff and do what God's called us to do. And so, um, you know, when you when you look at this, I mean, you think, well, caring for orphans and widows, that is a biblical thing. They need to be involved with that because there's problems here, and they're the apostles. They're the leaders, right? But what what did they say? They say, we have to be devoted to the preaching and the praying. That's what we're going to – that's what God's called us to. Uh, and that's what we're going to be devoted to. But we are going to solicit from you people to come in and help us deal with this problem from a logistical standpoint. And I, I just today we're really focusing in on this idea of um, of the priority of God's shepherds. And if you're listening out there, I, I know that you've probably been part of churches and where whether it's a large church or a small church when you go through difficult times uh you want the pastor to call you uh if you're in the hospital you want him to come see you and um and i know there may be times in your life where he hasn't somebody else has come from the church and you really want him because he might go see somebody or not another and i know pastors sometimes that don't engage in personal discipleship because they're afraid people in their body will see that as favoritism. Mm. Well, what if Jesus did that? Jesus spent a lot of time with Peter, James, and John. He spent time with the 12. There were 70 other believers that time, uh, maybe up to 120 at one time. And, you know, we are not driven by external influences. That's the difference between the church and an organization. Now, 
if we have an organization, then we allow those external influences to drive us. But no, that's not who the church is. We are driven by internal influences, and that internal influence is the Holy Spirit. And I love what Paul says. You know, if you go to Acts 20, and I just want to read this, a pretty long little section, but Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders. And this is not a trend we see in a lot of churches, but I think we should because the plurality of elders is a biblical concept where you have multiple leaders in a church, some handling the organizational part. We know that from other passages of Scripture where they handle the administrative part and and that because they have different gifts. And then you have some that are more of the pastor-teachers shepherding uh, from a viewpoint of teaching the Word and praying. But listen to what Paul says. He says, You know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, because that's where Ephesus was. It was in Asia, West Asia. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink. From what? From declaring to you anything that was profitable. Why? What was his primary ministry? To preach the word. And he says, and teaching you in public, which was the gathering time. And what else does it say? From house to house. That's the private time. Every pastor needs private ministry time. Whether it's one-on-one discipleship or whatever, but, but, you know, if you only have a public ministry, and I know people that have said that, well, God's not called me to that. I'm, I'm called to a public ministry. I don't see any examples of that in Scripture. I mean, they all had public and private ministry. And so uh, you see him saying that um, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of what? Repentance toward God and a faith in our Lord Jesus. He's preaching the gospel. And now he says, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit. Why? Because he's not motivated by external. It's the Spirit, the internal, that's driving him. And he says, not knowing what's going to happen. In other words, the results are not what drives Paul. Do you think there's a problem in the American church? Are we Mm results-driven? Of course we are. Our culture is that way, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city that imprisonment and affliction await me. He says, but, and I love this verse, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus. That is an important statement. Your ministry, whatever it is, is not something you create. Your ministry is a gift from the Lord Jesus. And the ministry that God gave Paul was to minister to the Gentiles, some Jews, but mostly the Gentiles, to write a lot of the New Testament letters, to testify to the gospel of grace. And um, and he tells them, if you jump down to verse uh, 27, he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel. I mean, that, that's a lot of preaching. Mm-hmm. That's a whole preaching. Pay careful attention to yourself, to the flock. Again, he uses that shepherding analogy of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now he's speaking to the <clears throat> elders to care for the church of God, 
which he obtained with his own blood. So as pastor teachers, two primary functions, to intercede for the flock and to preach to the flock, to intercede through prayer and then to provide teaching. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Even from among your own selves will rise men who will speak twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. And so Paul, his primary mission was what? To, to not shrink from doing what God called him to do, not to get caught up in other things, but to preach and pray. And what he wrote to First Timothy or to Timothy in First Timothy four, he says, "Devote yourself to public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching." And so he's telling young Timothy when he's writing to him about the church, "This is what you need to do: be devoted to public reading, to preaching, exhortation, and teaching." And so the disciples were not able to do that because of this organizational problem, this division, this mumbling. And if you're in a church where that's happening, you've got to free your pastor teacher up to do what God has called him to do, which is to preach and teach the word. Don't put all these administrative responsibilities on him if you don't have to. I mean, let people from among your body come alongside him and serve in those capacities so he can do what God's called him to do. It doesn't mean he can't serve there, too. I, I know pastors that pick up a broom and sweep like everybody else, but his primary responsibility is not to administrate, and it's not to counsel. It is to preach and teach the Word of God and uh, in a public way to the gathering, the local flock that gathers and he, he does it house to house, I think, like Paul did too. So that's the priority of God's shepherd. And when we come back, I know we got to go to the last break, but you, people can call in. But I want to speak just to a second about freeing pastors up to do that. Because a lot of times I, I know some pastors out there that have to be bivocational because they live in places where people don't support them or either people just don't support him. But Paul's very clear in Corinthians, Timothy, and Galatians, and we'll look at those verses when we come back, about if somebody's preaching the gospel and you've been ministered to by him, you need to support them. You need to support them because they get their support from the people that are ministered to. That's what the Bible says. That's a spiritual um, uh, reciprocity there that God puts in place. If you've been ministered to, you need to be seeding into the ministry of the people that are ministering to you in that pastoral role, okay? So. Yeah, so we are going there when we get back from the break, and we are also going to uh, take your calls if you have any questions or comments. So stick with us. We'll be back with more in a moment. Uh, but before we go, I'd like to give a shout-out to our listeners listening in Virginia at the Lighthouse, as well as in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER, as well as all of our listeners who listen online or through the app wherever you are in the country or around the world and i would also like to give a shout out to our local listeners listening here at 91.7 in jacksonville 91.9 in st augustine and 91.3 in folkestone georgia you are listening to swat radio stay tuned we'll be right back 
This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong. That is Casting Crowns with Nobody. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7 this week. And today we are focusing on uh, verse 2. Uh, through kind of into four, uh, the priority of God's shepherds. So if you have any questions uh, about any of that or you would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-7928. That's 1-844-777-SWAT. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. Hey, and uh, tomorrow is uh, our SWAT uh, begins for the week. We do two Wednesday, two Thursday, and one Friday. If you go to SWATradio.com, that's S-W-A-T radio.com, and click on SWAT meetings, it tells where all these meetings are. It says find a SWAT meeting. Uh, one meets at Woody's Barbecue at 630 out off Solano Road. Uh, the second one on Wednesday meets here at the Salem Center. On 7235 Bonneville Road from 12 to 1 tomorrow, we're having some Jersey Mike's, so you're welcome to join us there. And by the way, at Woody's, we do have a, a breakfast there uh, you're, uh, for that, because I know all you guys like to eat. And then uh, on Thursday, we meet at Jumpin' Jack's House of Food on San Jose Boulevard, uh, just about a mile north of the 295 uh, San Jose uh, intersection. And it's at 6.30 as well. And, and, again, you can click for directions on all these. Thursday night is a, a Zoom meeting, and it's Thursday at 7, and you can contact me at Doug at SWATradio.com with an email, and I'm happy to uh, uh, send you the, the link to get in there. And then Friday morning down in St. Augustine from 9 o'clock to about 10.30, we meet at the Village Inn on Ponce de Leon Boulevard. So I would love to have you join us. This week we will be looking at Acts chapter 6, verses 8 through 15. Stephen, what a guy Stephen is, man. He is introduced in this section. We're going to get into him more tomorrow uh, as the people God uses to lead the church because um, he wasn't a pastor-teacher, but he was a preacher. 
I mean, like he preached a heck of a sermon, didn't he? Mm-hmm. In, in chapter seven, and uh, you were going to look at that. And uh, he wasn't an elder, but he he could teach, and he wasn't a deacon, but he could serve. And uh, he wasn't an apostle, but he did miracles, right? I mean, so uh, it says he did signs and wonders. So we will get into uh, him tomorrow uh, at SWAT, and then we'll be talking about next week. But I want to get back just for a second to the priority of God's shepherds to pray. And by the way, if you look at the passage in Acts that we're reading in Acts chapter 6, when it says they will devote themselves to prayer— and to the ministry of the word, that word there for ministry is diakonia, which is the same word for that we get deacon from, to serve. It just means to serve. And so that's how they serve the body. They serve the body by preaching the word. And so people go, you know, that's that's their service. And it's the place God has called them to. And I want to read from Acts, or I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians Chapter 9, when Paul is talking uh, to the people in Corinth, because they had really messed up their, their church. They were unorganized, de- dealing with all kinds of stuff. And in and and 1 Corinthians nine thirteen, Paul says this. He says, do you not know that those who were employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? He's talking about an Old Testament example. Those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offering in the same way. The Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. So Paul makes that really clear. And if you flip over to 1 Timothy 5, 17, Timothy says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And Honor doesn't mean just, hey, you're doing a great job. It's talking about support there, financial support. And even if you you flip over to Galatians 6, uh, uh, Galatians 6, 6, again, Paul writing the church in Galatia, and he's talking about uh, leaders and pastors and teachers, and he says, Galatians 6, verse 6, he says, one who has taught the word, must share all good things with the one who teaches. He's talking about support. And he goes much more into it in in Corinthians. But this is a a problem where a lot of people uh, struggle to do that. Um, And they go, well, how much do you give to the pastor? Well, you give as you're led, but you don't not give anything. You know, I go to churches overseas all the time, and it's a – it's a really big concept to teach them because people believe that, well, uh, they're just supposed to do that, and they are, and they depend on God. But the Scripture's clear. If you are blessed and ministered to by a pastor-teacher, you should help support him to be able to live and eat and take care of himself. And I remember um, John MacArthur out west the elders out there voted for him to have a certain salary that he goes, I don't need that much. And he, and, and because the church began to grow, you know, and grow in number. And he said, well, I don't need that much money. And they said, well, give it away, give it to godly things, but we want to give it to you to give away. We trust you in the same way that these people sold their homes and they brought things to the apostles. Why they were doing that. So 
uh, I, I think they did that. to tr- They trusted the apostles. But I think we may be living in time today, and I don't know, you can uh, question this if you want to, but uh, people may not trust people in the church. I think we've lost our basic trust in a lot of institutions mm-hmm. out there. And so uh, I think that doesn't relieve us of the responsibility uh, to teach our children to teach those that we influence, that if you are ministered to by somebody who God has brought into your path to present the word to you and help you grow in understanding, that it's pretty clear in Scripture they they shouldn't demand it from you, but you ought to support them. Does that yeah. make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that part of that, that uh, feeling of, you know, distrust, I guess, in, in the church kind of comes, I would imagine, from... Uh, the same reason that we don't uh, minister uh, to one another the way that, you know, it looks like in Acts here, right, where we expect the pastor to do all the all of uh, these <laughs> yeah. different things. And, and that's because we've lost the communal aspect of a church body. And it, it's much more an organization, you mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's much more like, OK, the pastor should. uh um, you know, fill all these hats because, you know, the church is this organization and it's doing that instead of, hey, this is a group of people that are living in community together. And so there obviously need to be different people who support that community in different ways. Um, and by the same token, because we look at it more like an organization, like you say, uh, you know, there's less trust because we don't know each other as well as we should. Well, here's the thing. I served on a ship for six months when I was in the Marine Corps. And you go on that ship, and you know the people in your squadron on that ship, all the other pilots and the people that support us in the Harriers. Um, But I didn't know a lot of the other guys. But guess what? When you're on that ship, you meet a helicopter pilot, or you meet a, a helicopter crewman, or you meet a cook, or you meet other people. And you realize you're a community, right? Mm. What about when you get on a cruise ship? Do you think anybody thinks they're a community on a cruise ship? They're there for one person and one person only. They're there for themselves, right? They're there for their benefit and only for their benefit. And that's the difference between a cruise ship mentality and a battleship mentality. And the church was never designed to be a cruise ship. It was designed to be a battleship to to bring people together to be equipped and to be sent out to go into the world to represent Christ. And we've kind of adopted that mindset of a cruise ship, and we come in, I didn't like that message. I I don't even care who that guy is over there. I've I got too much other stuff on my plate. I don't have time to go shake his hand. I don't, I don't have time to engage with him. Um, are you part of a small group? No, I don't have time to be part of a small group. Okay. Uh, So what do you come for then? Oh, I just come to hear the word every week. Yeah, but there's no accountability of that word. If you're not engaged with people relationally, what happens is you end up just going on a Sunday, you hear a message, and then you go out, and then you complain about nobody speaking into your life or nobody caring about you, but you're not investing in anybody. We have to, you know, you come into a, um, uh, battleship mentality when you realize that we're at war. Yeah. I mean, we're at war. Satan is warring with us 
and he wants to take you down. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your church. He wants to destroy your community. He wants to destroy your country. And you're busy worried about what color the carpet is or if the pastor's tie is too worldly. Mm -hmm. Or these are literal things people have gotten upset about. Or, you know, uh, I think the pastor should do this or that. Instead of coming in saying, what is God saying to me through his word? And who is walking alongside me as part of this community? Because remember, the disciple, if you go back, uh, open your Bible uh, real quick. Look at Acts 6 and read what it says, Acts 6, one, real quick, just 6.1. Now, in the days when the disciples were increasing in number. All right. When the disciples were increasing in number. Not believers, not professors, disciples. And remember, in a Jewish concept, a disciple was a believer who was part of a community built around the word with a passion to be like Jesus. And so that's one of our issues that we really need to take notice of in our own life. Am I wanting to be part of a community? Am I investing to be part of a community uh, around the word with a passion to be like Jesus? That's where we should go and free up our pastors to preach and teach. So, All right. Well, that is all the time we have for today. You have been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio, and you can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more SWAT Radio. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening spiritual